we're absolutely layering in technology and digitization as appropriate. But we're, but for me, it's always going back to starting with it. You know, are we in a good position to move forward? Do we have full cross-functional alignment? I, I see so many times that one or two or three departments within a customer are very interested in a specific area, but then you've got other areas of their business that are dealing with you know, current challenges and they're not fully committed to moving in a specific direction. This is episode number 150 with Felix Vickner. In this episode, I'm joined by Felix Vickner, Vice President of Supply Chain Solutions at Kenco Group, to explore the key lessons he's learned during his multi-decade experience in supply chain consulting. I'm going to be drawing on Felix's many years of experience in helping multiple companies implement meaningful long-term change to better compete on service and to uncover today's inhibitors of transformational success. We're going to be discussing the implications of taking a customer-centric or outside-in approach to supply chain transformation and what that means. Plus, we're going to touch upon the common errors leaders make in their digital initiatives. Now, as we all know, the people pillar of any transformational initiative is as, if not more, critical than upgrading processes and adopting new technologies in guaranteeing success. So we're going to be exploring this topic and looking to address the role each stakeholder must play to prevent a transformation from becoming a costly mistake. There's a lot to cover in this episode, so let's jump right in. Hi, Felix. Thanks for joining us on Transform Talks. Hi, Maria. Great to be with you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you've been up to? Sure. So Felix Wickner, I've, I've been someone that's been in supply chain for the better part of you know over two decades. And I've, and I've had, a, a, in my opinion, an interesting path. I've you know, started out as an industrial engineer, and I've, I've kind of been in and out of supply chain from inside industry through consulting and third-party logistics. And so I've, I've really seen supply chain from a lot of different angles, and it's been a fun journey. And that's why you're here, because I think I love to expose our audience to people that have the kind of experience you've got, you know, to look at it from different angles. You've seen it from all sides, including the dark side of consulting. Right now, there's quite a lot going on, right? So in your mind, what are the key biggest issues that are facing supply chain and logistics executives today? Well, I think it's it's continuing to to have to change with the challenges that keep facing the marketplace. The changes that we thought were coming have evolved to a degree. And, and so it always seems like something different, something unexpected. There's variables that seem to come out of left field that people just aren't ready for or didn't plan for. And it's, it's really difficult because of the number of variables that do exist. So I think just, you know, always having to be on your toes and then realizing that, you know, what we thought we knew has changed or maybe wasn't fully understood. And it continues to be impressive on how it forces people to not just innovate, but really go back and reanalyze current situations and dynamics. There is no one thing you can do that you can have always have done that would demonstrate success almost. Well, you know, also, as, as we've said plenty of times in this podcast, we're kind of in our chartered territory here, aren't we? We're living in a very strange time of crisis upon crisis upon crisis. From your experience, some of the things that we, that I'm sure you've seen is the success or failure rates of digital transformation strategies and so forth. How, how do leaders manage that now whilst there's so much crisis going on, Watch that while there's so much flux? One of the difficult parts with the digital side is that we're trying to understand the, what I would call real world dynamics in a digital sense. But what I've seen over the years Understanding those real world dynamics is 
pretty difficult to do in the first place. And then applying the digital piece to that makes it even that much harder. What I've explained in the past in consulting roles to customers is that when you digitize or when you automate, what you're essentially doing is turning up the speed. You're going somewhere faster. And if you haven't fully understood the direction that you really need to be going, that just demonstrates that you're going faster, potentially in the wrong direction. So it causes you to even you know, need to plan more or understand more about, about those dynamics that I've talked about. And those variables are difficult to really nail down. Isn't it counterintuitive to think plan while there's so much stuff going on that's so unpredictable, right? You're absolutely right, which is what makes it challenging, I think. It's that planning piece that is so critical and people don't fully understand that that's how necessary that is. You know, for the longest time in the 90s and early 2000s, you know, I found myself in a position where having to explain to executives, having to explain to you know, customers and supply chains, even companies that I was a part of, that the changing dynamics of what the marketplace demands is what drove a lot of the issues inside supply chain. A lot of that variability came from, you know, having to go away from the business model to address what the customer wanted, which was a lot a lot more of a choice, a lot more you know, flexibility in the supply chain. Personalization. Absolutely. So you, you deal with a lot of that variability that is difficult to understand in real time. And then as you start to digitize it, I mean, you can certainly leverage digitization as a tool to help with understanding some of those dynamics and to, you know, there's digital twins and there's ways to try to model. But again, you have to understand some of the underlying variables as well. And digitization doesn't necessarily solve the problem. Although with some of the advanced analytics, we are getting a lot better insights. And so there's a lot more information out there to help. Yeah, but now the challenge is processing that insight in a way that will add value, right? So tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing there at Kenko at the moment. I'm part of our supply chain solutions team. And so a lot of a lot of the projects that we're working on are working directly with customers or prospective customers around, you know, how do we speed up automation, apply the advanced analytics. And so a lot of the digital transformation you're talking about, we're, we're seeing in real time. So part of the way we approach this is we do have a team that is focused on advanced analytics and they're, they're doing some really interesting work with existing locations, existing distribution centers where, for example, we'll go in and we'll, we'll focus on forecast and we'll, we'll layer in details such as, you know, the weather over the past, you know, the number of years and, and the driver challenges. And we've got ways of inputting data around things that are external to the facility so that we can better understand how that's going to impact volume and activity inside the facility. And so we can slot better, we can zone better, and then we can forecast and labor plan better leveraging that. Outside the four walls, we're also working on control towers. And this is, you're probably hearing this all over supply chains around the world, but it really takes having people that are focused in that area to, to really, from my perspective, move the needle and, and drive success. So we're doing that. In addition, we have our innovation labs, which has been a fantastic addition. And we've had that for a number of years. We actually have a warehouse right next to our corporate office. And so a new technology comes out and a customer says, hey, we're, we're interested in drones or we're interested in some of these digital abilities to capture images of operations so that we can improve safety and quality. We capture those and we test those in our warehouse. And then we demonstrate customers can walk through and see it and they can play with the technology. They can, they can control the drones or they can put the vision goggles on and, and do some really cool things. But they can also see some of the limitations that that might also present. And so it, it gives us the ability to test and really ensure before moving forward. It gives customers the ability to see how things work. So those are some of the things that we're doing. But 
any day we can have a new idea come up, a new customer request. And so the next thing you know, we've got robots and we've got other things that are taking place. That's exactly what everyone's going through, right? Having to be agile enough to react to the needs of the customer. I think that's where we're living in, which is why we're living in this era now of customer reactivity. And, and to some degree, you were talking about that before, this customer-centric supply chain. And that is making us reassess business models, right? So when you talk to people, what are the kind of things that you're seeing in terms of the the changing face of the supply chain? From my perspective, a lot of times it, it starts with going back to understanding what, what the customer is about and what their objectives are. You know, a lot of the challenges that I see are not necessarily associated with how can we be cutting edge, but how can we really make sure we understand what our strategic objectives are? Because if you just chase after the technology, but you aren't trying to achieve a specific objective, it's not a recipe for success that I've seen in a lot of ways, because you spend a lot of time and effort going down a path, and then you have to change directions because it's not accomplishing what you what you're hoping to accomplish. So, you know, I, it, we're absolutely layering in technology and digitization as appropriate. But we're but for me, it's always going back to starting with a, you know, are we in a good position to move forward? Do we have full cross functional alignment? I, I I see so many times that one or two or three departments within a customer are very interested in a specific area, but then you've got other areas of their business that are dealing with you know, current challenges, and they're not fully committed to moving in a specific direction. And so a lot of times it's an internal alignment that's necessary. And that's even true within organizations that I've been a part of as well. It's really difficult to be all in, so to speak, because of alignment related challenges. Well, that's the siloed mentality, right? The siloed thinking, I'm going to occupy my world here, which is in procurement or my world over here, which is in finance. And what you're saying is sort of this internal alignment needs to happen in order to be able to to deliver this kind of strategy, right? Yeah, well, absolutely. And that's human nature. So, I mean, we know that. What we do that is successful gets us to a position of very positive results. And so tomorrow, you know, we want to do the same thing because we want to keep those results going. And so, you know, one of the one of the things that, that I've worked with customers on, especially in, in historical and my consulting roles, is is helping them understand that success is achieved by very strong performance. But by definition, if you're not innovating, if you're not challenging yourself, you're essentially your yesterday's successes are going to be falling behind tomorrow's breakthroughs, right? So you almost have to have a change mentality around, you know, what did we do that got us to where we are in a successful position? And then what are we going to change about that to continue to move the needle forward? You know, we can keep getting same results, but that's not going to be, that's not going to continue to be well in the marketplace. But it's human nature to want to repeat successes. That's how we all got to where we are, is being successful in past roles. But I think now what we've got to do is we've got to always keep an eye out on the world, right? And what's happening in the world. Because yes, you're right. You're 100% right that there's got to, ha- there's got to be this internal alignment within the business. They trying to find what problem are we trying to solve? What do our customers need? All of these things. But there has to be one eye on the macro, right? There's got to be given that there's so many different macro trends and forces that are impacting things, do you think that requires a different type of skill set or leadership or has that evolved over the last 20 years since you've been in supply chain? Well, I mean, I think the skill set, the skill set may be evolving to a degree, but it's an innovative approach. It's a creative approach to to problem solving that's existed throughout. I mean, you, you always have people that have 
have challenged the norms and challenged the status quo, so to speak. And that continues to be the case. So in generally, what I've seen is that it's it doesn't necessarily take the leader to be the expert in the technology. It takes the leader to be the one who's challenging the position, right? And then you bring in the skill set to, to really leverage the technology. We, we are seeing that dramatically, I would say. And so especially with you know younger, newer generations coming up into the workforce and, and bringing a skill set with them that embraces some of the things that, that I think we're talking about. Well, we're kind of at a crossroads, aren't we, with sort of an older generation that has a lot of know-how, like you say, that has got us to the place where we are right now. The younger generation that is really eager to embrace new, diverse thinking and just thinking that is so different to perhaps some of the stuff that we've seen in the past. And so, and then I, I like to say the Gen Xers, usually sort of my generation is sort of stuck in the middle, trying to figure out how you, you know, how do you bridge the gap here between these two generations? Yeah, I think I find myself in that same position. And so absolutely though, it's a very interesting dynamic and I think change is happening faster, but a lot of the things that that has been true for, you know, the test of time is still the case. You've got people that have demonstrated success, the ones that are running the organizations now have those experiences, many of them have those experiences from decades of work and, and being in the industry. But yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. I mean, there are that newest generation coming up, the, new, the younger generation coming up is able to embrace that in a way that's going to be very interesting to watch. Yeah, but I think the, you know what I think is one of the big differentiators, because you're right, this is something since time immemorial, the youngest generation is always trying to buck the trend and trying to, you know, disrupt and trying to rebel, right? But I think one of the added quantums that have not been calculated to the level we have now is the pace of change. You know, we technological pace of change, the world getting a lot smaller, the, all of these things means that we don't have generations anymore, 20 years or, you know, to, to, to get through the change. Some of the change has to happen in two years or in a year. I mean, if we look back, I think you and I were talking about this. Remember ERP implementations, you know, when we talked about technology implementations, you were talking about sometimes like a 10-year project or a five-year project. You don't have that kind of time anymore, do you? No, you don't. It's funny you say that. So it, it wasn't that long ago that was part of an ERP implementation as well. And it was one of those, you know, it was driven by the need to align globally. And I think we were talking a year. <laughs> and even at that point, I was like, that just, that's unbelievable that we're, we're planning a year for a, a change initiative. But yeah, it's, things are moving so much faster now. And so you're absolutely right. Exactly. I think that's what's got all of us scratching our heads. So I guess the reason I wanted to talk to you as well is because your background, as I said, you see quite a lot of different things. You see quite a lot of different teams. So what makes a good, you've already talked about having a leader that maybe doesn't know all the answers and certainly doesn't know all the technology, technological answers, but certainly a leader that can surround themselves with the right people that do know these things. So what makes a good team to deliver the kind of solutions you're looking at, the kind of digitization you're looking at? Yeah. So, I mean, it takes a team that one, I mean, communication has to be, has to be at the forefront. The better a team understands, you know, each other, the, the, the better you are in, in terms of being successful and then bringing it, I mean, the, it's not necessarily different for how I would have explained this five or 10 years ago. The team has to understand and acknowledge each other's skill sets, has to be able to challenge each other, has to be comfortable with communication. You know, again, part it starts. At, you know, it always starts with the leadership setting the direction, gaining the alignment, ensuring that that the metrics and the way that we measure ourselves for success across an organization are aligned. And then it's having a team that that understands that direction, can brings in the skill sets, 
and, and, and the team is expanding, right? So we're bringing in more people that have visibility to whether it's technology or whether it's just, you know, again, additional dynamics to what means success. So the teams are expanding and, you know, it, it, it takes that a good collaborative effort. So why do so many digital transformation projects fail? Well, again, from, from my perspective, a lot of it has to do with where, you know, we, we don't have those key pieces in place. And so you start an initiative, you're down a path and you realize, oh, there's a variable we didn't bring in, or there's a perspective or part of our supply chain that wasn't included. You know, oftentimes when we're working with customers, we get very small, small sets of the team, right? So you might, I might be working with procurement or operations or IT, but I don't necessarily have HR or sales or other parts of the organization. And it's not necessarily that I need every part of the customer's organization to be in the room with us when we're, when we're having a collaborative project discussion. But if there are initiatives or strategies or different objectives that just don't align with the direction we're heading, it's not a guarantee, but there's been times where I could kind of get a sense several months later, we've completed the recommendation, but the customer's not ready to move forward yet because they haven't achieved that alignment that's so critical. I recorded a podcast the other day with someone who said something to me that Again, when you think about it, it isn't rocket science, but it blew my mind because what he said was what people don't realize in a business is that everyone is in supply chain. Everyone is in the supply chain, whether you're in finance, HR, sales, procurement, whatever it is, supply chain isn't just the planning and procurement side of the business. It is everyone is in the supply chain. And I think that that to me coincides to some degree with what you're saying here, why these projects are failing is lack of internal alignment. So I think maybe if companies try to understand that every aspect feeds into the supply chain one way or another, then maybe people would align themselves better. I would completely agree with that that assessment. I mean, it's and it's, and it's an inter- interesting way to look at it because you certainly would not think about that. You know, the, no, but, the but you know what I mean? Like it wasn't rocket science, but it blew every, my mind. I was like, yeah, what? yeah. So the people on every floor of the building can have an impact because it wasn't that long ago where supply chain was just a necessary evil almost. It was, you know, we are really interested in creatively producing new products. We're really interested in being out in the marketplace and marketing and selling those products. And supply chain was just the necessary evil to kind of get it from the creative table, so to speak, out to the customer. Once it became realized that supply chain was so important, a lot of emphasis and effort went into you know, how do we right size that? How do we streamline that? How do we make it better? And that's obviously an ongoing initiative. But but I think you're 100% right. And, and the way that was described, I mean, it's almost unbelievable how projects can be stopped by something that you would not. It isn't necessarily a, a leader in the organization. It isn't necessarily a function of the organization that is directly associated necessarily with supply chain, but it can have an impact on the alignment piece or you know, the strategic direction piece. So yeah, I would agree. I would agree. That's a, a good way to kind of frame it up and look at it. And to take, it, to take the analogy, you visualize it. I'm a visual learner. So to take the analogy even further, imagine putting a little tiny pebble in the shoe of a soldier. You know, at the end of the day, and that still could take that soldier down if they won't function. They won't function effectively in their battle, in their, in their challenge. And you can take that to an athlete or anybody, you... So I think that's an important thing that you just said there, which is you never can be surprised that even a small piece that you hadn't looked at could bring down an entire project. So I think it's a really important thing to point out. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, you know, in my past, what we had provided was, well, first it was understanding that when we would perform a project for a customer, 
the team that had engaged us, the project team itself, that was not the last step. It wasn't getting their approval and handing them the recommendation and saying, here's the nice the package with the bono. It, it was the next step of now, how is your organization going to take that and go implement it and go achieve success with that? And it's who are the people that are on board? Who are the people that have other initiatives? And then what we proposed was kind of a change management, almost support structure for post-project completion to help with implementation. And it's just because that, you know, you never know where that pebble is going to come from sometimes. And it's important to kind of ask some of those questions. You know, everyone gets so focused on the program or the project at hand. And I think digital technologies in the same vein is, is in it runs into the same sort of challenges. You know, we try to streamline what we want to work on and we're thinking about the success and what that's going to benefit the organization. We don't think about necessarily the implementation requirements and the alignment requirements. And that can be a key reason for success or not. Well, the shiny new object syndrome, you know, we follow the latest technology without necessarily thinking about the entire implications of what that's going to mean for the whole organization and aligning that organization. You know what, Felix, it's been a pleasure talking to you and I've taken away quite a lot of nuggets of information that I think our audience will also take away with regards to the exciting world of digitizing their supply chains. In the meantime, if people want to get in touch with you, you're on LinkedIn, they want to reach out to you guys and find out what more you're, what you're doing at Kenko. So let us know how we can get in touch with you. I guess LinkedIn, probably good, a good way. LinkedIn is a fantastic way. That's probably the best way. So we can start there for now. I certainly check that all the time and keep up with things in the marketplace through LinkedIn. So it's a good way. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Felix. And for those of you listening, thank you so much. We'll catch you at the next one.